He changed it up on me about 10 o'clock last night when I was in the shower, so bear with me. Uh, we're going to start at Exodus 5. Give me a whole lot of jumping around, so if you can't keep up, I promise you I'm reading the King James Version. Verse 1 says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go. We pray thee three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works? Get ye into your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tale of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein. Let them not regard vain words. Uh, so Pharaoh, he got, he got mad here. He doesn't know who God is. Uh, so he got mad that Moses and Aaron were trying to get the Israelites were Pharaoh's slaves. He got mad that Moses and Aaron were telling him that God had told them to let their people go. He said, who is this God that you're talking about? Why should I listen to him? So then he made it even harder on the Israelites. He put more work on them. He made it even harder on them. Uh, I'm going to jump to Exodus 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he shall let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord, and I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty, but, my, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of the spirit and for cruel bondage. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Go in, speak unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of his land. Now, so here Moses and Aaron are talking to God, and they, they tell the Israelites, Hey, listen, we've been talking to God. He's going to keep his promise and let get you out of bondage. And he's going to deliver you into this land. And the Israelites don't believe Moses and Aaron. They're like, how in the world are you going to get us out of bondage? Who is this God? Uh, jump to Exodus 7. We'll start in verse 3. It says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. 
But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Uh, so the Lord, is, he's, he's hardened Pharaoh's heart here just so he can prove his power and his, his work. He don't want to, you know, kill the Egyptians, but he wants to set free the Israelites and still show his power to the Egyptians. They might have a chance to be saved. Jump down to verse 8. I told you it's going to be a lot of reading this whole time. And the Lord spake unto Moses and, and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. So there's the first miracle that the Lord is showing. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt. They also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And he hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he hearkened not to them, as the Lord had said. Um, the world has a whole lot of counterfeits. Uh, you know, the, they can show you the same things, and they'll say that science can prove certain things. Uh, but in the end, God's way and God's power is a whole lot better than the world's power. Uh, you know, they can say that they can prove the Big Bang and all this other stuff, but where do the two dirt balls come from? Where did all this come from? You can't have order out of chaos. You can't just have an explosion all this stuff lay out how it is. I don't care what people say. Uh, the Lord's power always shows up in the end. Uh, no matter how many counterfeits the world tries to give you and tries to show you, the Lord's going to have his power and his way in things. Uh, jump down to 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuseth to let the people go. Get thee unto Pharaoh in the morning. Lo, he goeth out into the water, and thou shalt stand by the river's brink against he come. And the rod which was turned into a serpent shalt thou take in thine hand, and thou shalt say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness, and behold, hitherto thou wouldest not hear. Thus saith the Lord, And this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe the drink of the water of the river. Uh, so that's, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I've never seen a river turn to blood. Uh, so that's another pretty, pretty big miracle that God has proven his power. All he's trying to do is prove who he is to the Egyptians this whole time. Um, I'm going to jump to Exodus 8. Verse 4 says, And the frogs shall come up both on thee and upon the people and upon all thy servants. Uh, so what that is, just basically just hordes of frogs all over the place. Frogs everywhere. The Lord has just put frogs everywhere. Uh, covered the land in frogs. Uh, just trying, trying to prove his power the best he can to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh's got a hardened heart. He don't want to believe in the Lord. He wants to stay in his ways and not, not listen to the Lord and see that these things that the Lord are putting in front of him is God, and that is his power. Just trying to show Pharaoh that who he really is. Verse 8, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may do sacrifice to the Lord. So Pharaoh may say that he ain't believing in God, but he sure is asking Moses and Aaron to get rid of these frogs. Uh, 
You know, it, it's real easy when we're in a problem or we're in a trial or we got something going on in our life. We not, may not believe on God, may not trust in God, may not even be saved, but when we're in a problem or in a trial, we sure will call on God. Um, and Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me, when shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses, that they may remain in the river only? And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Be be it according to thy word that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God, and the frogs shall depart from thee, and from thy houses, and from thy servants, and from thy people, they shall remain in the river only. Uh, so just as quick as the frogs showed up, the Lord got, got rid of the frogs. Um, as soon as he get rid of the frogs, then it starts to stink. All the frogs are in the river, and it starts to stink. So then Pharaoh gets mad that God didn't do it his way. So he hardens his heart again. And then stays, turns away from God. And I thought, a whole lot of times, where we've got problems, where we've got stuff going on in our life, we'll call on God. But if you don't do it just exactly the way we want it done, then we'll, nah, sorry, I ain't going to keep the promise that I made you when I was in trouble and needed you. Since you fixed my problem now, I'm good. I'll see you later. Uh, let's see. I've got something else right now, but we'll skip that. Uh, then the dust become lice. So all the dust in the land is now lice. I'm sure that was awful aggravating. Then you got swarms of flies show up, cover the whole land. Um, then this next one, we're going to jump down to Exodus 8.20. It said, And the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. All they're wanting is to let the Israelites go so they can serve God. And Pharaoh just refuses. Um, Else if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee and upon thy servants and upon thy people and into thy houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground whereon they are. They ain't going to be getting away from them flies up there in your house too. There's no, no peace. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. So the Egyptians are having to deal with these swarms of flies, and the Israelites over here living, ain't got no flies, ain't got no frogs. The Israelites over here ain't got no problems. But the Egyptians and Pharaoh's people, because of Pharaoh's sin, and Pharaoh's unbelief and Pharaoh's refusal to believe God, all the Egyptians have to suffer. And the Israelites just over here living life. Uh, let's see. I got so many notes. I'm getting confused. Uh, let's see. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, jump down to uh, Exodus nine. All the uh, all the Egyptians' livestock are killed. Uh, the Israelites' livestock are fine and well. All the Egyptians' livestock are dead. Uh, I don't know about you, but if you got, we'll say we go out here to Bottomley's Field, and right-hand side of the road is dead, and left-hand side of the road is living well, you're going to wonder what the heck's going on. Um, I don't know if, if there's any ever disease or anything that runs through cattle and livestock. Most of the time, it goes through every one of them. It don't just stay to one part, not the other part. Uh, so the fact that the Israelites' cattle is living and well, and the Egyptians' cattle is all dead, it's another miracle from God. God just showing his power and proving his power. Uh, jump down to verse 8 in Exodus 9. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in his sight of Pharaoh. 
And it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a bull breaking forth of blains upon a man and upon beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So now the dust is turning into ash and causing boils over all the people and all the animals. Jump down to 13. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart and upon thy servants and upon thy people that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. For now I will stretch out my hand that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence and I shall be cut off from the earth and in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up for to show in thee my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. And then after this a horrible hailstorm comes in and wipes everything out, all the livestock, anybody that's outside, tears down houses, tears down everything. Uh, and after this, Exodus 10, y'all can go back and study all this later. I'm trying to get to my point. Uh, after this, locusts cover the land. They go through, eat everything. Y'all know what locusts are. They go through, tear everything up, eat everything. Just everything is now barren. I'm talking too much. Then after this, uh, you can jump down to verse 21 in Exodus 10. Again, I'm just rushing through this. Y'all can go back and study it later if you want to, if you don't believe me. Um, there's going to be three days of darkness. The Lord's going to put darkness over the land of Egypt. And after this, uh, Exodus 11, I think this is when Pharaoh finally starts getting the hint. Uh, Exodus 11, verse 1, said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor, and every woman of her neighbor, jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So even the Egyptians are starting to help the Israelites and starting to feel sorry for the Israelites and say, hey, all this stuff is coming because Pharaoh won't let these people go. So even the Egyptians, Pharaoh's own people, are starting to think, what are you doing, man? Let's, let's let these people go so we can quit having so many problems. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn of the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the meal, and all the firstborn of the beast, and there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all, thy, all these thy servants shall come down unto me, and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Uh, jump down to uh, twelve twenty nine. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all of the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night, and said, Rise up, and get ye forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord, as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds, as ye have said, and be gone, and bless me also. 
So now Pharaoh's finally had enough, and he's going to let the children of Israel go because he lost his firstborn son. Uh, I know most of us always heard the story. The only thing that saved anybody from that, from the death angel coming, was if they had the blood over the door. Um, I know this is going to kind of be a, a little switch, um, <clears throat> but unless you got the blood over the door, death's coming. Unless you got, unless you got Jesus, unless you got God, the one that has performed all these miracles, trying to show Pharaoh his power. And death's coming. All these pestilences, all these diseases, all this stuff that God sent, it's coming. Amen. Are you in with Pharaoh's people or are you in with God's people? Right. i never seen anything where the Israelites really suffered much through all this. Yeah. But I sure did see where the Egyptians suffered. Uh, jump to Exodus 14. Starting in verse 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. So at this point, Pharaoh has let all the Israelites go. Now they've come to the Red Sea, and they're trapped. Pharaoh's army is behind them, coming for them. Here they stand at the Red Sea. Uh, but God parts it and makes a way for them. And the children of Israel went out into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left, and the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning, watched the Lord looked into the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud, and troubled the host of the Egyptians, and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. So even the Egyptians in the army were like, Listen, Pharaoh, we're done. Our, our, chariot, our wheels are falling off our chariots. We've, we've been through trouble after trial after trial after trial because you won't let these people go. We're done. Uh, but Pharaoh pushes on. Uh, you know, even the army said that the Lord fight for them against the Egyptians. Pharaoh's own army, was, they believed in the Lord. At this point, there wasn't no doubt. They believed in the Lord, but Pharaoh was so angry and hard-hearted that he couldn't see the Lord's power. Keep reading. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength. When the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on their left. Uh, if, if that ain't the power of God, I don't know what is. Um, you know, I've heard some people say that the, they can prove that where the Dead Sea or where the Red Sea was, where it was parted, was only two inches deep of water. Uh, I find that pretty comical, considering it says it took them all night and all morning to walk across the sea, even if it is two inches. Go over here to verse 29 or verse 28, and all the Egyptians and Pharaoh and all his chariots and everything were killed and drowned. So that wasn't but two inches of water. Any way you want to look at it, that's a miracle from God. Um, so the Lord, all through Exodus, was proving his power to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh still refused to see it, and it cost him his life. Pharaoh was blinded and hard-hearted all this all this time. He would make little promises and say, "Lord, if you'll get me out of this problem, if you get me out of this trial, then I'll I'll let your people go." And it wouldn't happen his way. It wouldn't happen the way he wanted it. It wouldn't happen exactly the way that Pharaoh wanted it to happen. So he turned his back on God. 
when we're in a problem, we got things going on in our life, first thing we'll do is we'll call on God, whether we believe in Him, whether we serve Him, no matter what, all of a sudden we'll start believing in God and say, Lord, help me, get me out of this problem. And as soon as we get what we want, we forget God. As soon as we get the 45 acres on a hill, getting ready to build a house, got everything we could ever imagine that we don't deserve, we forget who the one that is that give it to us. We forget all the blessings He's lined up in our lives, and we think, well, we've just got this because we're a pretty good person. We go to work every day, and you know, we, we do the right things, and everything's good. Well, if it ain't good with you and God, it's coming to an end. You can be a good person all you want to be. You can be a good person, good old boy, good old girl, but unless you got God in it, it's going to fall at some point. Pharaoh was the king of Egypt, had everything he could ever want. And because he refused to believe in God, it cost him everything. It cost him his armies, cost him his firstborn child, and eventually cost him his life. Um, we're going to jump. Uh, Mark 8, 36, 37. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What's your soul worth? What's your eternity worth to you? Is it worth the job that you got? Is it worth all the stuff that the Lord's giving you that you ain't praising for? Is it worth all the worldly things where you think, well, pretty good old boy, go to work every day. I'm able to go to work and do all these things. I got a nice little house, got, a, got vehicles, got everything I could ever want. But who give you that ability to work? Who give you that ability to breathe? Who give you that ability to think? There's a whole lot of people laid up in hospital. Brenda just said something. Woman cardiac arrest thinks she's brain dead. If that's the case, there ain't no more hope for her. That's it. However she lived with the Lord from that time till now, that's it. There ain't no, Lord, I'm sorry. There ain't no, Lord, wait a second. There ain't no, well, wait a minute. Well, I was a pretty good old boy. I was a pretty good old girl. That's too bad. Unless you got Jesus in your heart, unless you got the blood over the door to save your life, unless you know him personally, that's too late. However it is, when you close your eyes and die, that's it. Ain't going to be no, well, Lord, wait a second. I'll prove it to you. Go over to Romans 10, 9. says that, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto right, righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. A whole lot of times when we're five or six year old and it's Bible school and everybody else is getting saved and, or we, we're in a problem or we're in a trial, we'll make these empty and shallow professions to God. We'll think, well... I don't want to die and go to hell. I better go up there and get saved when we're little kids or when we're five or six little kids. Some of y'all have testified that you got saved when you was real young. You're still here, so that's good. Right. Or some of us will have a problem or a trial or we'll be going through something and think, well, Lord, if, if you'll just get me out of this, I'll serve you. What that is is confessing with the mouth. That's one part of it. That's pretty good. You're about halfway there. Then you got to believe in your heart. you really got to take them in your heart. There ain't no, well... When I was six or seven, you know, I, I made a little shallow profession on the altar. I never served God again. As many times he tried to show me his power and show me his works and as many good things as I've got, I never turned my life back around to God. 
That's a shallow profession. That ain't going to get you nowhere. If you're still going out here drinking, cussing, living any old way and think that you got the Lord on the inside and you're badly mistaken. There's either you serve the Lord or you serve the devil. You can't serve two masters. So one way or the other. You can't straddle. There is no fence. I've heard straddle the fence my whole life. There is no fence. You're either in or you're out. There is no fence to straddle. There is no come to church on Sunday or Wednesday and you know live any other way Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's either live for the Lord or don't. There is no in between. There is no fence. There is no well. You know we're we're pretty good people. You know we we go to church about twice a month and you know we we try our best. Well, that ain't your best. The Lord give you everything He had when He sent His Son right over there to die for you, whether you accepted it or not. Whether you knew who he is or not, he come to give you an opportunity to escape a place called hell. He give you opportunity, whether you was going to take it or not, whether you was going to live it or not, he still give you that opportunity. It's up to us whether we take it or whether we say, well, we made a profession with six or seven, I've lived any other way since then, I think I'm going to be all right. That ain't the way. Go over to Matthew seven thirteen if you don't believe me. It says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. I'd hate to pick out a few out of this crowd. I'd hate to go pick out, few means three to me, I don't know about y'all, but a few, that's, that's three. Maybe four. Got a pretty good crowd here tonight. I hate to have to go pick out three or four of them and say, yep, yeah, I think these are the ones that's going to make it. Yeah, these are the ones that ain't just made a shallow profession when they, you know, everybody was going through Bible school when they was five or six getting saved or when they had something going on in their life and had trials going on and called on the Lord. These, you know, these are the ones I think is really, really trying to live for the Lord. I'd hate to try and pick out three or four of them. Which ones do I want to see die and go to hell out of this crowd? I'd love to say none of you. I'd love to say, I'd love to see every one of you in heaven. Amen. But the problem is we get these shallow professions. We get these things where we're in trials and think, well, well, if we call on the Lord, we're pretty good people, and that's good enough. This world has twisted the doctrine and twisted this word and made us think that we're okay, and we're not. We either live for the Lord or we don't. I've got a lost family. I don't know about y'all. I've got people dying and going to hell and have no, don't even see the need to get saved. Don't even see the need that, well, I need to turn away from this way. So, well, might be a pretty good person, might do pretty good for myself, might have a pretty good life, but I'm still missing something. Something still feels empty on the inside. Life don't feel like it's got any purpose. It's right here. You feel like, you know, you're going through the motions of life and things don't seem to be, don't seem to be just quite right. It's because you're missing something. There's a hole that Jesus would love to fill if you let him. A whole lot of people can say, well, you know, I, I got saved at five or six, but are you really li- is he really on the inside? Is he really there? If we knock and open it up, what are we going to see? Um, jump down to verse 21. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. 
Apart from me, ye that work iniquity. I sure don't want to hear that. Do I think that me coming to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and trying to preach is going to be good enough? It says, the he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Making a profession ain't going to be good enough. Saying that we know Jesus, having, having a religion and not a relationship with Jesus ain't going to be good enough. Is he going to say, I know you. Come on in. Or is he going to say, I never knew you. I don't know who you are. I ain't never heard of you before. I don't know what you're talking about. See, Pharaoh, he continued to deny God. What's it worth? What's your soul worth to you? What's your eternity worth to you? There's heaven and there's hell. What's it worth to you? Is it worth hanging on to whatever the devil's got a hold of you with? Or is it worth just putting it down and coming up here and saying, I'm sorry? Take me how I am. I know I ain't good enough. I ain't good enough. If it wasn't for the grace of God, it's hard to tell where I'd be at right now. If it wasn't for a praying church and a good pastor to preach the truth and a good daddy and people that showed me the way. Two of my Sunday school teachers ain't even here tonight. Two of them that told me how to live. And said, don't go this way. They're not here. I don't want to see them die and go to hell because they've given me something. They've taught me something and now they've turned away from it. Something out there was worth more than this here. Pharaoh thought something, thought his pride and him having these slaves was worth more than his soul. How many times are we going to deny God's power before we finally say, yeah, that's enough, Lord. I've had enough. I've had enough of the world. I've had enough of the problems. I've had enough of what's been going on in my life, Lord. I want you. I just want you to come into my life. It ain't worth everything else is in the world. It ain't worth all this other junk. It ain't worth all these other problems, Lord. I just want you. Here it is. You might be a good old boy. You might be a good old I don't know half y'all in here. I don't know anybody's heart but mine. I know it's black, it's dirty. I'd hate to, to lay it all out here for y'all to see what I've thought and what I've done this week. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I still got a Jesus. I, I got a buddy that drove almost three and a half hours to come see me. Means a whole lot to me. But he ain't never been there for me like Jesus has been there for me. He ain't never been able to come in my deepest and darkest corners and say, I'm here. Don't worry. I'm here for you. Tell me about it. Cry out to me. Let me know what your problem is. Not just be a shallow professional where I think, Lord, get me out of this problem and I'll serve you. It's, Lord, do this and I'll serve you. Hey, this, I don't want to do this at all. All y'all, all y'all other preachers, everybody else knows that. Anybody that knows me knows I hate talking in front of people. Had to teach. Had to try and quench it with teaching. and ain't been good enough. Lord said, no, that ain't enough. What was it worth? How much did I lose by fighting it and not just giving it to the Lord? How much, how much time did I lose with my lost family, my lost loved ones, because I thought, no, no, I ain't going to do it. No, you've showed me your power. You've showed me all these things, just like Pharaoh. You've showed me with my own two eyes. But no, I ain't what I want. I ain't going to do it. 
until finally he broke me. I'm glad it didn't take my firstborn daughter to show me, hey, this is God. This is what you need to do. What's it worth to us? What's it worth to fight and hold on to this world and what the devil's got to us? Y'all think I'm crazy, but there's a story in the Bible where a bear came and killed 40 kids because they made fun of a man of God. A bear out of the woods come and kill 40 kids just because they made fun of a man of God. And we think we can live any old way. Lord's going to bless. Lord's going to keep his hand on us. Eventually it's going to come off and we're going to end up like Pharaoh. Eventually the Lord's going to lift his hand and say, that's enough, I'm done with you. I'd a whole lot rather y'all say I'm done, y'all say I'm done with the world, here I am, Lord. I'd a whole lot rather, I don't know who y'all are tonight. I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know anybody's heart in here other than mine. All I know is this is what the Lord told me to tell somebody. All I know is somebody needs to let go of something. Somebody's got something in their life, somebody's holding on for, for nothing. What's it worth to us to die and go to hell? What's it worth to us to live the way we want to live and never see our loved ones that's already made it to heaven again? Never know that love of Jesus wrapped around us when we ain't got nobody else. Nobody else is there. There by ourselves going through battles in our mind. And we can just say, here I am, son. I love you. It's going to be okay. My own daddy can't even do that for me sometimes. Just can't. He can't reach in on the inside like the Lord can and say, here I am, son. I've got you. Don't worry about it. Nobody else but Jesus can reach in on the inside and pull out your sin. Take a black heart, wash it in red blood, and make it white as snow. Don't that sound like something somebody wants? I don't know. I don't know. Your life may look great. may look perfect. may not be a thing wrong with it. But you're still missing Jesus. Is it worth our life? Is it worth our kids? Is it worth all these things that we're trying to hold on to? Just not serve the Lord, just to deny him. Pharaoh didn't really do anything. He just refused to believe that that was the Lord and denied God. I'd hate to see what we're holding on to, our hindrances. I'd hate to see the Lord take them out. I'd be ashamed if the Lord had to take my daughter for me to preach. I'd be ashamed if the Lord had to take my wife so I'd serve him. What's it going to be in your life? What do you hold dearest? Are you willing to give that up? Or are you just going to come on and serve God? It's easy. I know it sounds difficult. I can't do it by myself. Only way I can, nobody can live this life. Nobody can be a Christian unless we accept Jesus. Only way any of us can make it is by the grace of God. Only way any of us can be anything other than a low-down, sorry sinner is just the grace of God. I don't know. Any, I know some of y'all's testimonies, but I don't know many of them. But the only reason any of us are where we're at today is because of the grace of God. Whether you believe in Him, whether you know Him personally, whether you believe it, whether you think I'm crazy, the only reason you've got what you've got today and the only reason your life looks like the way it looks like today is because of the grace of God. He still kept His hand on you. He's still giving you another chance. He gave Pharaoh like 14 chances. There was 14 different, I think it was either 14 or 13 different miracles he showed trying to prove His power to Pharaoh. How many times has he showed you his power? How many times has he come through with you on one of those little shallow professions? On one of those little things, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll serve you. Lord, I got saved when I was five. We're all good. How many times has he proved his power to you, but you've refused to take it? You've refused to believe it. 
what's it going to take? What's it worth to us? Are we just going to continue in sin and think we're all right? We're going to continue living any old way and think we're okay? There's going to come a day when we're going to say, Lord, but we did so many good things. I never knew you. I'm sorry. Depart from me. That's going to be it. There ain't going to be no, Lord, wait, I'm sorry, forgive me. That's too late. If your bell's already rung, that's the end of it. The way a tree falls, that's how it's going to lay. The tree falls down, it's going to lay down right there. It ain't going to move. It ain't going to get up and roll somewhere else and move. The way it falls, that's it. The way you die, that's it. That's the end of it. You may die in a car at going home. What was it, a mile, Larry, up a road? Leaving church on a Sunday? Hit head on. About took out his whole family. Leaving church on a Sunday morning. Are you prepared? Are you ready? He's still here. That's because God had a work for him to do. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Do you know a man named Jesus? I've already told you I met him one day, April 16, 2011. I failed him. Why in the world he still blesses me? Why he's given me so many chances? I have no idea. Why he's blessed me the way he's blessed me? He could have saved me from hell, left me in a side ditch, and I still wouldn't have deserved it. I still wouldn't deserve the way he's blessed my life, the way he's put things together, the way he's moved mountains, the way he's put things together. The way he set things up only could have been him. What's it worth to us to die and not know Jesus? It's coming whether we like it or not. It's coming a day where it's going to be the end. Where do you stand? If you don't know him, he's here. I felt him. He's here tonight. If you don't know how to pray, just come ask somebody. We got like five preachers here tonight. I'm sure somebody will pray with you. If you don't know, just come ask somebody. Don't be ashamed. It ain't worth your shamefulness to die and go to hell. It ain't worth you thinking, well, I can hold on a little bit longer. I don't want to move right now. I don't want to do nothing right now. Everybody will be looking at me. This place will shout a storm if you come up here and get saved. This place, nobody will be more proud of you if you move and get saved than anything else you could do in your life. Don't worry about what people think. If you feel a tug on your heart, and I'm going to get ready to give it to Bill, but if you feel a tug on your heart tonight, don't ignore it. Don't leave. Don't let it go unsolved. If you don't know, come ask somebody. Make a decision. Don't leave and think you can get away from it. Jonah thought he'd get away from it. He got swallowed by a whale. And then spit out and still had to do the work of God. He thought he could get away from it, thought he could run from it, and couldn't. Swallowed by a whale. And then spit out and said, well, I guess I have to do the work of the Lord now. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Don't get away from it. Come make a change. 